So, so welcome um, to today's episode of Hepatology Podcast. We are doing this one just shortly after AASLD's outstanding liver meeting in Boston, where we learned a tremendous amount about the latest advances in hepatitis C treatment. So this article in the November issue of Hepatology is quite apropos, and it deals with healthcare costs. And Dr. Gordon and colleagues have a wonderful paper that we wanted to highlight in this month's issue, and we have the good fortune of having Dr. Gordon with us today to tell us a little bit more about his study. The study is entitled Impact of Disease Severity on Healthcare Cost in Patients with Chronic Hepatitis C Virus Infection. And just to start this off, you know, healthcare costs are a big issue in today's environment. Nowhere is this more true than with hepatitis C. And with the new new treatments and with the, the natural history of this disease, significant amount of these folks being baby boomers, developing cirrhosis and liver cancer and decompensated disease, the need for liver transplantation, et cetera. And you spearheaded a trial to assess this health care cost related to hepatitis C. Can you tell us a little bit about how you went about uh, putting this idea together and then generating the study? Sure. Thanks very much, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here today. We, we certainly know that treatment of hepatitis C is associated with significant costs, but we also know that there's a cost uh, for taking care of end-stage liver disease and forgoing that treatment. And so the question became, what is the cost of this disease to the healthcare system? And we wanted to look at this as a function of, of disease severity. So what we did was to look at a large healthcare database looking at medical records and trying to assess how much this disease is costing the healthcare system as a function of disease severity. So you went in and basically analyzed the demographic profiles and healthcare utilization as well as healthcare costs in a large private insurance database. It looks like you actually had a database of uh, ultimately 36 million eligible plans and At the end of the day, you had about a total of 54,000 patients with hepatitis C infection that met all the inclusion criteria. You broke this down into three different groups, really the non-cirrhotic, the compensated cirrhotic, and then the end-stage liver disease cirrhotic. And you kind of highlight that the majority of your patients had non-cirrhotic disease, but you had about 8,000 with compensated cirrhosis, actually about 3,700 with compensated cirrhosis and 8,000 with end-stage liver disease. And from there, you really started to get into some healthcare costs and you used some uh, some statistical modeling to demonstrate that. I, you want to comment uh, briefly on some of the top-line results that you found sure, that were very sure. interesting? That's basically, what we were doing was looking at costs as a function of disease severity. And one of the advantages of this analysis is that we we looked at specific ICD-9 codes that we would designate as those that are associated with decompensated disease. So Drs. Pakros and Tarot and I jointly put together a panel of ICD-9 codes that we would consider those that would be associated with decompensated disease. In other words, uh, bleeding esophageal therapies and ascites, for example. And looking at this panel of ICD-9 codes that we outline in the paper, designating an individual as decompensated disease, we looked at the cost of treating those patients and compared them to individuals who were designated as 
compensated cirrhotics, in other words, a designation of cirrhosis, but without a code associated with decompensation, and then looking at a larger group of individuals with no evidence of cirrhosis and no evidence of decompensation. And what we found, in essence, was that the all-cause per patient per month cost associated with taking care of non-cirrhotic disease was significantly less than those associated with taking care of cirrhotics, which was significantly less than those taking care of end-stage liver disease. And then when we specifically looked at the all-cause HCV-related per patient per month cost, again, we found that taking care of non-cirrhotic disease was significantly less than those of taking care of compensated cirrhosis and with end-stage liver disease being by far the most costliest. And so, in essence, the per patient per month healthcare costs were 32% and 247% higher for patients with compensated cirrhosis and end-stage liver disease compared to those patients with non-decompensated or non-cirrhotic disease. And not surprisingly, among the end-stage liver disease, it seemed like the the highest mean healthcare costs were in those who underwent liver transplantation and those with liver cancer. Absolutely. The costs associated with orthotopic liver transplantation were significantly higher, and those associated with hepatocellular carcinoma as well. So when we broke down those decompensated patients, we looked at those associated with orthotopic liver transplantation and those with cancer alone. So about 56% of the costs associated were HCV-related, and this proportion increased with disease severity. If you look at non-cirrhotic disease, 46%, compensated cirrhosis, 57%, and fully 78% of the costs associated with end-stage liver disease were directly HCV-related. And did you find it interesting that the compensated cirrhotic, and I think of that being a child's A, compensated cirrhotic, that the cost was actually higher than the non-cirrhotic. I find that a little interesting that there's actually an incremental cost associated with even a well-compensated cirrhotic, certainly much less than end-stage liver disease. But I think the difference between the non-cirrhotic and the compensated cirrhotic struck me as being a little bit uh, higher than I might have anticipated. I think that's a good observation, and I think that it's also important to point out that we did not specifically look at HCV-related disease. So, for example, we may actually be underestimating that amount. For example, if you look at diabetes, for example, or other disease that may be indirectly related to hepatitis C, we didn't specifically look at some of these extra hepatic manifestations that may be caused actually associated with HCV. So I think that we're probably talking about some of these ancillary types of costs, for example, screening and banding of varices and screening for hepatocellular carcinoma. So the costs begin to creep up as one develops cirrhosis incrementally. And some of these are probably some of the costs that we're looking at here is some of the the screening type measures before one develops decompensated. Sure. Well, you mentioned a little bit in your discussion, you talk about some of the limitations of the model. And the study, I think, was done prior to you having good data on the direct-acting antivirals, bocepravir and telopavir. So I think the modeling wasn't done with with the true cost of that in mind. However, you do mention um, what the cost would be if you were to include that. You want to comment briefly on 
how these direct acting antivirals, while they dramatically improve cure, and we know that if you improve SVR, if you achieve an SVR, that you're going to improve outcomes as far as less cancer, less decompensation. Uh, thoughts on cost of the new DAAs kind of juxtaposed against the benefit of the DAA in a modeling like this. Sure, and I think it's also important to point out that we're talking about the actual amount paid rather than the amount charged. So we're actually talking about um, direct costs. So it is true that the, the data sort of intuitively suggests that the cost of screening and treatment have to be offset uh, by the cost of ignoring these treatments. So I think you're referring to the recent uh, Rhine model that was published, the uh, the birth cohort screening that was suggesting that screening the birth cohort, averaging about $2,800 uh, per new case identified. And if you looked at the cost of treatments included, this adds about $15,000 per quality adjusted life years, assuming the treatment is peg interferon and ribavirin, or $35,000 per QALY, assumed saving that the protease inhibitor is used. So even looking at protease inhibitor therapy, this data would suggest that the current cost of HCTV management would likely offset these expenses based upon the costs that are, are paid as a result of, of developing end-stage liver disease. Do you think that's limited to the baby boomer population, or can we extrapolate that to maybe the younger crowd? You know, that's an interesting question. I mean, we didn't specifically look at that because so many of the patients were clustered within this baby boomer population, but I think that one can extrapolate the same, that there's ultimately cost saved, and this is actually part of a, a different analysis that we're currently looking at, that, you know, by treating early on. And so I think that there's an argument to be made in, in all age groups for earlier treatment to offset the development of complications down the road. Okay. Well, I, thank you for joining me today. I, I think that there's a, a fabulous a window study. of opportunity. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to uh, lend some additional insight into this study, and, and I'd like to, again, uh, thank the collaborators that helped you uh, put this together. Any final thoughts for us today? You know, I think that there's a window of opportunity to intervene. I mean, when you look at this data and you see the progression of disease, you know, one of the other things that we showed that was interesting was that there was significant age differences, even though the ages weren't that wide, that the non-serotics were about 49 years of age, that the serotics were 51 years of age, and that the end-stage liver disease were 52 years of age. And these were significant differences, even though the costs were independent of age. So I think what we're seeing here is a, a progressive development of decompensated liver disease in this specific population. I'm sort of reminded of the Shakespeare line, nothing will come of nothing, that we really need to intervene soon because we have a window of opportunity to potentially uh, offset the development of end-stage liver disease and the significant costs associated with treating these end-stage liver disease patients. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, and we're uh, certainly anxious to see what else you guys have up your sleeve that you can uh, help guide us as we uh, continue the struggle to, uh, to treat these hepatitis C patients. Thanks very much, Dr. Harris. All right. Take care.